0: So here's the question. In the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast. And I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I would also like to thank Konica Minolta for sponsoring this podcast. They are a world leader in industrial and commercial printing and packaging solutions with a comprehensive portfolio of production print offerings. Konica Minolta delivers the latest innovations in printing applications and expertise today we're speaking with mark levine he is the director of enterprise print quality program at shock a global provider of pre-media and print quality management solutions that protects brand equities to make brands more profitable shock is an sgk company that serves the world's most ambitious brands through integrated locations on five continents through mark's 20 years in the industry he has worked for and with several technology and services companies helping them to drive better practices and higher print performance and multiple print verticals. In his current role, Mark is focused on packaging, helping brands optimize their packaging color on the shelf and to produce a more consistent and durable brand equity. He also manages a team of experts focusing on implementing best practices and standardization. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking the time today to speak with us and to share your story with our listeners. And we are very thankful for your voluntary intellectual contribution to the think tank that we call Print Properties Committee and some of your near recent contributions in the development of spot color tone value calculation as well as print quality exchange specification. And these are two huge improvements to the print and packaging supply chain, and both are now ISO specifications. And we recently spoke and discussed the topic of communication improvements of print quality and brand color. These are sometimes very complex topics that need to be communicated in a way that everybody can understand them throughout the supply chain, from brand owners and design to print buyers, and then, of course, our print service providers on the plant floor. So why don't we pick up on that topic, if you will?
1: Well, I thought uh, in our last discussion, uh, talking about sort of people versus technology is a pretty powerful thread. Um, you know, we sort of work in the world of color, and you can 't get around the fact that it is a technology issue right or there 's lots of things you need to know to manage a color across the supply chain so I, I think a lot of our discussions when we talk about SCTV and when we talk about some new emerging standards pqx all these are just acronyms that um, just really confuse the hell out of everybody right. and it 's not it's not about accumulating a set of acronyms and being, a you know, sort of a geek and just kind of snowing everybody about this. I think our challenge, our collective challenge, is to try and make this easy uh, and to try and stay away from um, – or rather, not stay away from uh, – it's a challenge to ourselves – so that we can understand it in a simple way, so that we can socialize it out to all the partners we work with to make print quality consistent that 's printers and brands um, it's certainly it 's an ongoing challenge, right simplifying the whole process i mean the, I, I try to think about this in terms of what you want as a brand. Some brands call this the design intent, and then try to focus the brand 's attention on. The aspects of the package that they can control that'll help them deliver on that promise, deliver on that vision that they had uh, when they spent so much money uh, to get the design just right, to get marketing aligned and to get a green light on a new project. So, um, a lot of times where uh, we talk about scoring, scoring is a great way uh, that to talk about you know, the quality of color that people get, right? When you were in grade school, uh, that scoring was a pretty common thing. You had a report card, A was great, you know, F was not great and D was, uh, you know, treading water, that sort of thing. And people just sort of fundamentally get those structures. And so I think scoring can be very powerful as, you know, brands adopt new strategies to manage print quality, Uh, It's a powerful way to merge a number of different things together in order to kind of get what you want. So you can sort of track, you know, how well your brand colors are printing. You can track the gray balance, right? You can track the tone value. All these things have different technical measures. But by putting a score against each one of those, you can roll it up into a single number, And that single number is meaningful. You can sort of refocus your efforts on, is my overall score good instead of this Delta E and that Delta E and this TVI and this kind of tone? And, you know, are my numbers tight enough? Like all that becomes sort of fluid under the hood where you can sort of over time crank down your Delta E's because your supply chain is maturing. But you can still sort of persist this notion of a score and continue to keep that You know, that scoring process and, you know, what is my score in laser focus?
0: Understood. Now, there are some solutions that, for instance, press sign where there's a score. And then Mm -hmm. some other solutions like um, Chroma Checker, where they use a score called an E-factor and that's the 95 percentile, which most Mm -hmm. people don't understand what 95 percentile is, but they do Mm -hmm. understand what an E-factor is. Or maybe just a simple Delta E, but we have many more attributes uh, related to color or related to print quality other than just a color match. So do you take into account in your weighted scoring system resolution, maybe um, line screen frequency or uh, other factors that are not just color accuracy or color consistency?
1: So the, the important thing about scoring is that it's totally above board and the, whoever the partners are working together based on the scoring system, they take the time to properly educate and align on what these scores mean. In some cases, you know, you could say that, uh, people have different approaches to making scores. And I think, I think it's tough for the, the supply chain, the industry, um, to sort of properly socialize these things in a way that's consistent across all parties, right? And uh, to say it another way, a lot of times the way people score things is purposefully veiled. Um, And there's two sides to being purposefully veiled. One is to make it simple. You don't need to worry about that. I don't need to explain a carburetor to you. And people kind of get that. But there's another side to things being veiled where it's sort of obscured what, well, what am I actually measuring? And is this an industry standard or is this something that you just made up? Right. And so I think those little things can sort of trip up the system and it makes it difficult for one provider to kind of match what another provider is doing because sometimes they haven't fully disclosed what they're really doing. And I think that that places a challenge on all of us to try and get consistency across a multitude of technologies and measurement tools and things like that.
0: Understood. And so in the scoring system that you're talking about, uh, tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about what's under the hood and how you develop a score from the data that you're collecting from that particular package or that design. So
1: uh, I'm happy to talk about it. You're kind of in, um, you know, uh, commercial land, right. Cause I have a product, uh, called color drive. And so we use color drive as a, um, it's really a program of solutions. So the software piece is one, but we have other, we have people, we have people power and we do measurements and we lead discussions with printers. But, uh, from a software platform perspective, it's kind of what you're asking about. We just, again, it's really, we sort of work with the brand to identify what's important about their package. And then we sort of create a list of things that are valuable to them. If I have a brand, uh, for example, that all they print is line colors, there's no 50%. It's just solid color next to solid color. Then my entire scoring focus becomes what is the accuracy of those brand colors? I don't need to track how those colors overprint or what a 50% is. Uh, version of that color is because it's not important to the art if i'm working with a customer that's four color process only i'm probably going to design a scoring set to focus on the four color you know process part of it so that means gray balance is going to be king but i also have to consider the supply chain too so maybe maybe people aren't accustomed to measuring gray balance and i might want to track it but I don't want to weight that value heavily in the final score of the print quality. So I might, you know, I can sort of change the weighting and make something just sort of observed and informational, and maybe a, that sort of drives a decision down the line. And maybe I focus on just, you know, the measures that the printers are comfortable, right? So uh, with. So if you can't measure gray balance, for example, you might measure tone value, right? Tone value is is almost like measuring gray balance, except when the colors print in the same spot to make a gray, tone value measurements don't tell you that story. But they tell you a good chunk of it and it's a good, you know, alternative if a supply chain is not ready for gray balance.
0: Mark, how do you engage a typical brand owner require your services or looking to have you help them solve some of their problems within the supply chain?
1: As if there was just like one uh, one kind of brand owner and, and they were all the same cause they're not right. So that's, that's challenge. Number one is sort of understanding your audience, of course. And, um, the brands are coming from different places, right? Some have a uh, detailed experience and they want to solve very specific challenges. Others are just looking for like a safety net can, that you can give them. They don't know a lot of detail about what's wrong, but they know something's wrong. So, um, First of all, it's kind of understanding what the brand wants and what's important from the packet, for the package. Uh, it's also sometimes a challenge because brands are trying to collect and sort information, and they're getting a lot of information from a lot of people. And how, what makes me any more credible than the last guy that they talked to? Right. So this is always a challenge. If somebody said something different, you know, it's tough to sort of unravel that. And again, a lot of times back to the earlier part of the conversation, how people socialize, what they do and score and technology and how it works. I think sometimes for different reasons, it gets sort of obscure, like what does what and just trying to straighten it out, get the brands, you know, feet firmly on the ground. And help them make some good decisions so kind of getting into that decision pipeline where you can really start to accelerate the process that's just getting it going is probably a big hump that um, is a challenge to get over and um, it's so important to the process
0: if i'm a brand owner and Mm -hmm. i am having packages printed across the globe let's say something in europe for i have a print service provider in europe I have a print service provider in Asia and here in North America, and I come to you and mm-hmm. I have a requirement. And I say, you know, uh, we need to have these specs. So it's ISO 15339. And I really don't know a whole lot about what that is. And I know it's associated with G7. And I heard this is the greatest thing uh, to do because you have this similar visual appearance. And then mm-hmm. um, we have. You know, of course, our spot color specs, not just our four-color process, spot color specs. And how can you, you know, right now we're having a problem where we have inconsistencies. We get samples back from Europe, samples back from Asia, and they do not look close at all. How can you help Mm -hmm. us?
1: Like in the print world, we are so laser focused on ISO standards for print, but ISO standards are much, much, much bigger than print. Right. ISO standards govern the way things operate around the globe. Just talking in general about standards and talking about their purpose, which is really twofold. They're for safety and compatibility. Like standards, you know, keep you from falling off of a ladder, right? Standards keep toys from having pointy edge point, you know, pointy, uh, things on them and heart and sharp edges. So kids, you know, can injure themselves standards ensure that I can broadcast in, you know, ultra high definition around the world, or I can play my DVD or I can encode my video the same way. Like standards are really not about precisely reproducing, um, A product and so but a lot of in the industry you know people are just impatient and i think i think the uh, print industry is a particular challenge it should be a manufacturing industry right we all want it to be we all just want to bang it out low cost super efficient right every time right first time um But it's a kind of an artistic industry with images and color and consultants and technology and instrumentation. So all this stuff comes together and it it creates this barrier for us to becoming a manufacturing industry. And so, you know, there's this growing impatience. And I think there's been a lot of allure from brands to say, I'm just going to run to the to the ISO standard. And sometimes that's even a misnomer because the standard doesn't have all the pieces, it's a spec based on the standard. But people don't get that. They say that, oh, I'm just gonna have this industry standard, and that's gonna make it easier for me. I totally get that. So that's gonna give you general compatibility, and that's gonna give you safety. Like, when I print two different things in two different places, it's not gonna be radically different right blue is going to be blue and red is going to be red but the type of precision that a brand expects is typically a lot higher than what an industry standard is built for so you have to go all the way back to the beginning and look at the foundation that your supply chain is built on and your requirements uh and brands just they don't have a lot of historical sort of knowledge about the details of an industry standard they don't know that in ISO 12647-2, which is like an offset printing standard, that to meet the requirement of the standard, uh, you can be off by a delta E of five on your inks, on your solid colors. Or in 12647-6, which is about flexo printing, you can have. They don't even talk about you know how light a color is or how saturated a color is your spot colors just have to be within a hue angle. That means the red's got to be kind of that red. A hue angle of plus or minus six, which no brand is going to legitimately accept if they're an equity-focused brand. So it's, you know, when you say, how can you get someone closer to an industry standard? It's really not about that. It's about how can you get the brand closer to what they want on shelf and incorporate use of industry standards where applicable, but stay focused on what the brand wants.
0: So describe some of the things that a brand would want.
1: Well, if a brand wants a color to be a spot color to be within two Delta E on shelf, there's no, there's no industry standard that'll keep uh, that prescribes that there are People, like when you talk to me, I'll prescribe that, right? Or my company in the color drive program, will talk to you about what's a good prescription for you because obviously the tighter the Delta E, the more difficult it is to achieve that. The you know Chances are the more time your printers have to spend producing it to maintain their systems more precisely. So that's one uh, thing. And sort of achieving gray balance to a specific amount and what that should be, two Delta E, three Delta E, We've got to look at your process, look at your array of suppliers, and we'll set those things up Mm -hmm. specific to what you want and how consistent you need to be on shelf. And maybe we need to do a research project to figure out your printing with different printers in different regions that have different sourcing challenges, right? Sometimes, let's say, for example, you're producing products for shelf and, and, uh, Mexico or Latin America, and there's a lot of outdoor display, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of sunlight hitting the product on shelf. So they have different light fastness requirements than you might have for products that are going to Walmart here in the states or some other indoor retailer. So um, that light fastness impacts your pigment selection, and subsequently, you might need a different standard for a different region. So. You can't just come up with a standard and say, okay, everyone has to be within two delta E. You could certainly say that, right? But the the practical reality of it is that you have this kind of physiological requirements that, you know, are sort of unknown. So that's really what we do is we work with brands through these sort of obstacles that they have to come up with a a control strategy that's a good mix of you know precision, getting the right color consistency and uh across printers in all regions. And also uh delivering a system that's tenable, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make tolerances so tight that you have to police everything. Right? The idea is to kind of put some tolerances out there that sort of push people into a better space, and you 're constantly trimming that space down through increased discipline and sort of over time you can tighten things up, but you can't just you can 't just come out of the hole like that and expect you know printers who are producing i don 't know what to immediately snap into a tolerance that maybe is not even feasible for them
0: that 's a great point, and I know that you 're familiar with continual improvement and lean and you know, taking small chunks that make sense achievable goals um, and then building upon that. And I'm sure some think that um, they hire shock or they hire a consultant and that is going to be the magic pill. And then they actually sit down with you and they understand what they're up against and uh, that a little daunting for them to swallow So tell me about that. Um, You know, what is the reaction um, from brand owners or buyers when you describe the reality of uh, color matching and uh, global um, standards or global specifications that are custom to their particular product? And are they generally receptive or, you know, tell me what that looks like.
1: I think, I think brands, typically brands just want help and they want competent partners. I think the last time we spoke, we talked about this. I, I recounted the story I had where I was trying to, um, I was in Chicago, I living in New England at the time. And the following day, my family and I were flying to Florida and we were going to, Um, arrive in Miami, and had the kids, or the kid at the time, and there was a snowstorm rolling into New England, and fortunately, my flight into New England and the flight we were taking the next day were on the same carrier, and so, you know, it's getting late into the evening. Flights are canceling. It's total mayhem, and uh, my wife is in regular correspondence with the airline, and she's able to move her flight up that night. And she grabs the kids in a suitcase and gets to the airport and winds up spending four hours on the tarmac with a kid. Uh, But that worked okay. And so my goal was to get from Chicago directly to Miami. Right. I was going into Boston on the same carrier that the following day I'd be flying to Miami. So it seemed doable. And despite numerous calls to this airline, uh, I repeatedly got someone who was clearly reading from the script and not helping right? And I felt really disempowered. And I imagine brands feel this way when they talk about, you know, the scope of how big this thing is. And, you know, they're just kind of someone's reading by the book or spewing out ISO numbers. And so uh, I talked to my wife, I told her about my struggles. And as I'm talking with her, I decided this is crap. I'm going to call the airline back. I'm going to give it one more go. And so I remember the woman on the other end picking up phone and me giving her the story. And the first thing she said was, I totally get it. I'm going to take care of you. And she got me directly from Chicago to Miami there. So uh, she did it right. And she made the difference. People make the difference. So when we talk with a brand, it's really about us letting the brand know that we're going to make a difference right? We're going to marshal them through this process. I don't want to snow someone and say, this is, you know, it's perfect, right? Because there's a lot of challenges that we'll need to take down over the life of our engagement. Um, But we're on this. And we're not only going to be a force of discipline in your supply chain, but we're going to be a force of understanding where I'm gonna, I'm ready to take on, you know, we're, this is what we do as a business. We engage with printers and brands and we just really facilitate their conversation. We get those challenges out on the table and we find ways that everyone can cooperatively solve these problems. So that's the message that we take to the brand and you have to earn that, right? And we've earned it with a number of brands and that's the piece one, one the day that you realize that you've earned that and you're really in a position to help the brand be more consistent on shelf to design better processes the way they make standards the, the requirements and specifications they give to their printers really to make a difference in their consistency so I think you know the day one we're working on that right and that's there's always a little you know gear change there's always a little you know, eyes opening and a little wonder, and it takes a while to prove it. But, you know, shortly, soon after that, we hope it's soon. Sometimes it takes a while to get to that state where you're really kind of clicking. Um, That's when the brand recognizes that I can't, I can't, you know, it's not economically justifiable to expect exact perfection from everything. There's a supply chain that's built from all these different printers with all these different skill sets and all these different you know printing technologies in-house that have all sorts of economic profiles some guys have air conditioning some don't you have pre-press providers you have industry standards you have all this noise once the brand realizes that we're going to help them through all that and then that's when we start sort of down the road to progress
0: Excellent, Mark. I really appreciate your time today, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again on some of the topics that we didn't get a chance to cover. Yeah, I appreciate it. Sounds great. Thanks and take care, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealiance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealiance.org. Take care and have a productive day.